This is Robert Fleming with the Tucson, Arizona law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And I'm here with my law partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're going to talk with you today about uh, special needs trusts and particularly third party special needs trusts and the importance of planning for a child or other family member with a disability and particularly if they have, um, if they're on public benefits of one kind or another. So Elizabeth, third-party special needs trust, that sounds like lawyer jargon. Well, a third-party special needs trust is an interesting kind of an instrument. Somebody who wants to leave somebody else some funds at the time of death or uh, in during the time of life in somebody's lifetime can create a third-party special needs trust. A third-party special needs trust is going to be a trust that would be um, the recipient of funds from a third party, meaning I could create a third party special needs trust for my cousin Harry, for instance, or my brother Jim, um, and put money of mine um, into that trust for the beneficiary's benefit. And once that trust is established, Robert, we could actually have different people who might put money into the third party special needs trust for the benefit of the beneficiary. So you could create this trust and then your folks could add money to it or your brother Jim could add to to Harry's uh, special needs trust. That's correct. And one of the things that we talk to people about is whether or not they might want to create a third party special needs trust during their lifetime or whether or not they want that to be included as part of their estate plan to be created at somebody's death, meaning I would have a third-party special needs trust created upon my death for the benefit of a beneficiary. The whole idea behind special needs trust planning, which we've talked a little bit about in previous podcasts, is that by putting funds aside in a special needs trust, the beneficiary will be able to remain eligible for means-tested benefits. Uh, depending on the kinds of distributions that are made, the idea will be that the beneficiary's assets um, won't include the assets of the special needs trust for his or her benefit. But I know, because I have a child with disabilities who's on public benefits, I know that they can't have anything. So they can't have this trust, right? I, I can't leave them money. No, you absolutely can, Robert. How we talk about the special needs trust is really, really important so that you're well-educated about how you can talk about the special needs trust when you're answering questions from Social Security or you're answering questions from another party in the community who might be asking whether or not your child or whomever the beneficiary is should be allowed to remain eligible. The idea is the money in this trust does not belong to the beneficiary. It actually belongs to the trust. And explaining that this is not the beneficiary's money is quite a hurdle sometimes for families to get over. But once they get over the hurdle, you may be able to make distributions to benefit the beneficiary in a kind of a supplemental way to augment the resources that they may be receiving through Social Security or another government program. So we call these third-party special needs trusts the other kind of special needs trust or the main other kind is a self-settled or first-party special needs trust. And the key difference, as you alluded to, is whose money goes into the trust. So if I have a trust for my benefit, I'm a person receiving public benefits, and the original money came from a personal injury lawsuit that I had, for instance, or money I had accumulated before I became disabled, that's a first-party or self-settled special needs trust. 
Today, we're just talking about those that come from other people's money. So once this thing has been set up, and thank you for explaining that it's okay that I leave this for the benefit of my daughter who has a disability, uh, what can the money be used for? What kinds of things can the trustee pay for? Gosh, that's a good question, Robert. Well, a lot depends on the kinds of benefits you're receiving. But some of the things that a special needs trust might pay for are a handicapped van or funds to be used for going away to a special kind of a camp or extracurricular activity. Um, Funds in a special needs trust can also be used to make home improvements, things like ramps or grab bars that are additional expenses outside of the norm. When we think about special needs trusts and the monies that can be used to provide for the beneficiary, it's incredibly important to consider what the beneficiary already owns, and what kinds of benefits the beneficiary is receiving. For instance, giving somebody funds to go buy food is going to be a problem. However, making sure that there are funds available if somebody goes on vacation to pay for, let's say, meal expenses or activities on vacation is actually a different kind of a distribution. And it's important to remember that You've described, Elizabeth, a number of different kinds of expenditures that a trust could make to deal with the disability, but it's important to remember that it doesn't have to deal with the disability. It can be just frivolous. It can be uh, it can be things that just improve the quality of life. I, I, I'm reminded that in a special needs trust that we were executing, we were administering, um, what the beneficiary really wanted was to pay a ghostwriter to put down her story. The way she became disabled had been a pretty interesting story. And she was, though disabled, she was cognizant and wanted to to hire somebody to help write her story. I don't think you could say that that was an accommodation for her disability in any way, but but something that really meant a lot to her and, and was really helpful and improved the quality of her life going to school, going on the vacation that you described, even though vacation is a kind of an odd concept for somebody who doesn't have a job um, that doesn't stop them from wanting to go to Disney World or Disneyland or uh, however many flags there are over whichever state. Um, How about pets, Robert? Could you make a distribution for from a special needs trust uh, to purchase a pet or to help provide care for a pet? Absolutely. In fact, that's a regular thing that we do. We have another special needs trust beneficiary who who has an uh, a collection of an exotic kind of cat, and we have purchased a couple of fairly expensive pets, and then also paid vet bills and and the like. Um, I mean, there are lots of things that this money can be used for. So you can really provide a significant benefit to your child who has a disability without messing up their public benefits. Wait, wait, Robert, I have a question. Does the money in the third-party special needs trust have to go to pay back the state or the federal government for the benefits that were given to the beneficiary? When the beneficiary dies, absolutely not. That's because we're talking about third-party special needs trusts. Now, if this was a self-settled trust, if this was money that belonged to your daughter because of her injury, for instance, or your mother left money to your daughter without putting it in a trust and she just got an inheritance, or she had some savings before she became disabled, that kind of a trust is going to have to have a payback provision. But the kind we're talking about today, absolutely not. In fact, it would be very peculiar for such a trust to have any payback for any portion of, uh, of the cost of care 
for the person with a disability. So who is going to be the remainder beneficiary after the person with the disability dies? You get to pick. It might be a charity that that uh, works in the area of disability that your child has uh, experiences. It might be other siblings. It might be grandchildren. Uh, it could be pretty much anybody. I, you know, I'm, I usually recommend that people name their lawyers as the remainder beneficiaries. No, we can't do that, Robert. Oh, never mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that note, I suppose we should stop talking before I get myself in trouble. So join us next time when we talk about elder law issues. This is Robert Fleming and my law partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman of the Tucson, Arizona law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You've been listening to Elder Law Issues. Join us again next time.